and welcome to the Asimov Cast, a short burst of joy, thoughtfulness, and inspiration from the works of Isaac Asimov. I'm Lossie. Follow the show on Blue Sky and Instagram at AsimovCast, or email to AsimovCast at gmail.com. Welcome back to Season 2, where we will review the stories loosely covered in the first two seasons of the Apple TV adaptation of Foundation. The first book, Foundation, was published in 1951. This episode, The Encyclopedists. Louis Piren is the head of the Foundation to create the great Encyclopedia Galactica, and after 50 years it was nearly complete. Five more years to complete, and then a revision every subsequent ten years. Salvor Hardin is the mayor of Terminus, and he has an appointment. He peevishly waits for Piren and then informs him of local events. The head of Anacreon has declared themselves king, and the Foundation is now effectively isolated as an imperial outpost from the rest of the Empire. They haven't had any metal for six months, and now won't get any more unless Anacreon approves. Piren is uninterested in these local matters, the focus of the Foundation is to produce the Encyclopedia, and after all, they have an Imperial Charter. The Emperor will protect its own. And in the meantime, could Harden do something about the local paper? In three months on the 50th anniversary of the Foundation, the Radium Clock will open the vault and convey a message. The paper is agitating for celebrations and the public to see the vault, but Piren is head of the Board of Trustees. He and the trustees will see what's in the vault and convey any necessary messages. Piren reiterates to Salvor that he is the Emperor's representative and has full authority. Hardin notes that in that case, Piren can meet with the Anacreon representative, who's shortly to arrive. Anselm Holt Roderick arrives, and he is somewhat surprised at the small nature of the settlement, not to mention the lack of peasantry and nobility. He is astonished that their leader, Dr. Perrin, is a mere scholar. He clearly doesn't care about the encyclopedia, and after some tedious presentation, he gets down to the point. Terminus is in a strategic position between Anacreon and Smyrna, who have just concluded a war. Anselm attempts to discuss the real politic of the situation, but Piren obliviously is unconcerned, certain that their imperial writ protects them. Anacreon is concerned about Terminus's ability to defend itself, so generously offers to establish a military presence there. Of course, it would need to be supported by taxes. Terminus has little to no metals, which surprises Anselm, so perhaps they would provide land to be parceled up for Anacreon nobility. Piren continues to splutter about imperial writs, and Salvor casually drops into conversation if Anacreon could supply them with plutonium for their atomic reactors. Anselm is a little stunned, and says they'll discuss that further the next day. Piren continues to not get it, and castigates Salvor for his topics. But Hardin knows what he's doing, and understands the response to the bait he dropped. Anacreon, and therefore likely Smono, no longer have atomic power and plutonium is not used in, in um, atomic power plants. As well as the Anacreon ambassador, a liaison from the Empire, Lord Darwin, is due to arrive shortly. Hardin is cynical about this, not expecting much from Darwin, but the board is certain that the Empire is their shield, and as a result consider there to be little threat from Anacreon. They refuse to invest in any defensive measures, and are horrified at the idea of militarising Terminus, 
It is an encyclopedia first. Never mind that there are nearly a million people there now. There are only 150,000 involved in the encyclopedia. Hardin gets increasingly frustrated at their short-sightedness, their insistence on themselves as scientists, even when they are conducting no experiments and not pushing the sum total of knowledge forward. The board returns to order and focuses on the fact that they will shortly have their 50th anniversary and the vault of Harry Seldon will open. It is clear that, let alone any psychohistorians, there aren't even any psychologists on Thomas. Salvor studied it briefly, but dropped out, frustrated that it was only theoretical, and so he went into politics. This absence is notable. Dorwen arrives and is a lisping caricature of a diplomat. He placates Piren while committing to nothing, and dodges and evades Salvor. He is content to easily dismiss the words, of the worlds of the periphery as barbarous. He is a hobby archaeologist, but is of a view that no field work is needed, merely to read all the texts and come to a conclusion. He is interested in what he calls the origin question, the idea that all humanity originated on a single planet. He lists potential locations, Sirius, Alpha Centauri, Sol, or 61 Cygnus. Hardin does extract from him a little information, though. There was an explosion at an atomic power plant on a central world that killed over a million people. The Empire is considering restrictions on atomic power, given the plant was in poor repair, and there was next to no one who really understood it. To Hardin, the signs of decay are clear. With Lord Darwin having departed, the board decide to unilaterally communicate to Anacreon that they are under imperial protection leading to Anacreon sending in, in not short time, an ultimatum. Give them what they want, or they'll take it anyway. Harding gets the Department of Logic to review the Anacreon Treaty with the Empire. Anacreon has no duties to the Empire, and the Empire no power over Anacreon. Harding then presents the review of Darwin's status statements whilst on Terminus. They all cancel out and sum to nothing. The board slowly creepingly begin to realize the position they're in. They will have to allow an Anacreon military base on Terminus. Salvo wants to know what are they going to do to kick that base off as soon as possible. The encyclopedists, however, continue their preference for inaction. Their focus on the encyclopedia first and last. In fact, the vault is about to open. Surely Harry Seldon will guide them in what to do. Salvor continues his frustrations with the board. They haven't tried to do anything. First they denied there was an issue, then they put the faith in the Empire, now they have transferred that to Harry Seldon. They won't take action and won't rely on themselves. He draws the comparison to Darwin's approach to archaeology, and the disease in lack of curiosity and deference to a mythical authority. Galactic stagnation is the problem, not the petty squabbles of periphery worlds. Salvor storms out and realizes what is needed. A coup. A bloodless coup, perhaps. But he and his right hand, Johan Lee, put in place everything to take control of Terminus. In fact, it is remarkably easy. The encyclopedists don't even consider that anyone might do this. So focused are they on their singular role and the imminent opening of the vault. And so to the vault, and indeed the appearance of Harry Seldon, he reflects on 50 years of the Foundation and admits a truth. The encyclopedia was always a lie. 
the foundation has been manoeuvred into a position where it can only go one way, to navigate the collapse of the periphery and the empire. Psychohistory will set them towards a series of crises, and this one, being an island of atomic power, albeit one with limited resources, in a sea of increasing primitivism, has arrived. Deflated, Piren sets to concede to Salvor, unaware that Salvor has already taken power, and immediately knows what to do to navigate this crisis. Things that made me think. Um, I I feel like that uh, definite elements of this are in, of this uh, story are an indictment of academia, and their need for um, uh, well, perhaps then their need is is a harsh harsh way of putting it, but um, the constant discussion groups and the um, lack of uh, of pushing forward, uh, it certainly feels like a, a little bit of attack. Um. I will say that uh, Salvor Hardin and Harry Seldon are entirely two similar names, and the overlap is frustrating. Um, I think that Salvor is very tetchy um, and a bit of a hypocrite. Um, for all his frustrations at the um, slowness and inaction of uh, the academics, he doesn't explain himself. He's very condescending and patronizing. And it, yeah, it, it's going to be pretty difficult. Um, pretty difficult to get people on side when you're that aggressive and abusive to them. Um, or he has a, um, a catchphrase, which is one of my favorite lines from the whole of Foundation, which is violence is the last re- refuge of the incompetent. And um, this is a little bit... Whilst he doesn't commit violence in his coup, he does enable a coup. So no one dies. I don't know. He he, he seems to draw boxes around what is violence and what isn't uh, pretty easily. Um, I don't particularly care for the awful lisp that uh, Lord Dorwin has been given. I mean, it's it's as bad as like... I don't know, Gambit's phonetic accent in X-Men comics. It's really... Uh, in fact, it's probably worse than that because it's just so effete and annoying. Uh, uh, I will note that uh, there are zero women in this uh, story at all. Again, um, particularly again with early Asimov, it's frustrating and it's always an afterthought for him. Um, I think the the perhaps the most interesting part is the exploration of the nature of imperial decay and the naval gazing of both Darwin and the encyclopedists um, and how proud they are of their uh, theoretical intellectual rigor, but with no desire to see truth or to actually experiment and push things forward. They are consolidators of knowledge but they are not explorers of of further knowledge um i think there's a and again this came out in 51 so not long after the um second world war i do get a sense that he's putting um the board in as sort of a neville chamberlain type appeaser um type figure and hard in down to his cigar chomping uh, as more and 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 his arrogance, frankly, as more like the um, the Churchill uh, of the story um, when it comes to the invasion. Um, where I found joy, 
I still think that the that fundamental phrase that uh, violence is the last refuge of the incompetent and the vigor with which Hardin proclaims it and more or less with given given sort of hypocrisies around it more or less sticks to it um you know he's never looking to attack people he's never looking to um cause bloodshed but he is looking to manipulate people into certain situations i think um I think it's a it's a voice and a, fra- a, a sort of phraseology that that we kind of lack a little bit these days. I really do think that sort of robust defense of pacifism and um, robust defense of uh, avoiding violence and conflict are lost, are almost lost skills, uh, or certainly lost voices these days. Um, which is, well, I said it was joyful. It's maybe a little bit depressing as well. And thank you for joining me. You can find me at Lozymandius on Blue Sky. You can find the podcast on Blue Sky and Instagram at Asimovcast. The theme music is courtesy of Alexei Chistillon from Pixabay. Our awesome new logo is courtesy of Spurts. Please email your thoughts, what inspires you and where you find joy in Asimov to asimovcast at gmail.com. And thank, uh, thanks everyone for your patience. It has been a, a busy Christmas period um, and a slightly busy start of the new year for me work-wise. So hopefully back to more regular releases now. I also do a horny chaotic podcast about the horny chaotic HBO show True Blood. Please check out Fang Bangers Pod with a Z. Next week... The mayors. Go now. Do not harm humanity, or by inaction allow humanity to come to harm.